Welcome to the Jiu-Jitsu of Life, a weekly podcast for BJJ enthusiasts who are striving to succeed both on and off the mats. This podcast is brought to you by Robles, makers of the world's finest custom jiu-jitsu apparel. And here are your hosts on the Jiu-Jitsu of Life, Carter Fisk and Mo Siddiqui. Uh, it's all about vacation at this point. I'm not going to lie. Thursday, we leave for Santa Fe. Nice. I am, I'm almost salivating. I'm, I haven't taken a vacation in over a year. And I am, uh, yeah, I mean, there's going to be plenty of work because I've got um, a renovation going on, house renovation going on. And then I have a, uh, a f- pretty big office build out in the warehouse that nice. I have to like sort of supervise from afar. Mm-hmm. But one of the keys to learning how to do business from remotely, you got to have spies. All great okay. empires have spies. So I've got my spies coming in and checking on things, taking pictures on me. And then you, you can test out the contractor, see if you trust him or not. Your spy takes a picture so you know where things are at. Then you ask the contractor, okay, so where are we at with this right now? See what they tell you. Because a lot of times they'll tell you they're a little further along. You'll go, oh, that's weird because my guy came by to do whatever and he took a picture and it looked like. And then sometimes they'll fess up. Sometimes they won't. But but having but spies. It's late, right? Like even if they key. fess up, it's like they've already shown their integrity. Well, that's definitely true. But the way I look at it is um, I would rather be underestimated. You know what I mean? But I, but at the same time, I was thinking about this, like how I want to present myself kind of going forward. And I'm like, I want to be underestimated, but then I want to throw out little things here and there that disrupt their OODA loop. Just saying like, that's weird. My guy came by and, and, and he sent me this picture or whatever. No, like whatever, just maybe, maybe this was from a day, like just little things were like, wait a minute, does he know what's going on? I don't know. Just to, just to throw him off a little bit. Um, because I think that otherwise when you're dealing with construction and things like that, they really will do just enough to not get fired. Not, not nice guys, plum, nice guy painting, of course, but, but a lot of these scoundrel contractors out there, <laughs> they will take as much money down as they can get. They will do as much of the job as they need to, to not get fired. And then they will try and get as many other jobs as they can so they can get those down payments on the other jobs. And then they will eventually circle back to your job before they get fired or they get sued. And that's been my experience throughout the years so that the way I counteract that is just constantly check up on them. And if you're not physically there, then you gotta have somebody who you trust who is there. So luckily for me, in the different places, I've got people I trust. Like I trust my other tenant and he's right across the way in the warehouse. So it's like he's literally you know, 100 feet away so I'm just like, hey, man, you know, just just come by and just snap a picture. Let me know what's going on, you know, this and that. So that when the contractor's like, oh, yeah, we're all framed up. And I see a picture and there's just the f- the framing is on the floor. I'm like, no, you're not. This is what's happening. So it's like, it's just a way to, and, and it's honestly like, I, I think that if you just show people you're checking up on them a little bit, you don't necessarily have to do it. You don't necessarily have to let them know all the time because you don't want to micromanage, but you want them to know that you're no fool. And that's sort of the finding that balance between the two, I think, is the key for, you know, managing contractors and construction and things like that. Because if you just rely on somebody just to do what they're saying, 
it's very rare in construction that that's actually going to happen. But if you're constantly detail by detail hounding somebody, I think that has a negative effect as well. So it's like finding that balance. And for me, it's like letting them know, like, I may be far away, but I know what's happening. So, so that's happening in a couple, it's happening in Central Texas and in East Texas, but we are going to be in New Mexico, which is far away from either one. Um, but I'm very much looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to the weather, which is going to be about 20, 22 degrees cooler on the hot end and on the cool end. So that's going to be nice. Mm-hmm. The elevation is 8,000 feet. It's like 7,900 feet. So Denver, the mile high city is like 5,000 feet. This is 8,000 feet. How are you going to breathe? You need like a oxygen <sighs> tank. I don't know, man. I'm, I'm going to come back like uh, like Rocky. I'm going to be in, in <laughs> tremendous shape because I've been up in the altitude. He so, has an unlimited gas tank. Yeah. Yeah, for like a you know a couple of days, it's going to be I'm going to be pretty glorious. But um, <laughs> yeah, it's going to be it's going to be fun, man. I, I've never um, I've never stayed there before. I've, I've driven through before, but I've never stayed there. You're going to be there for a good while. Yeah, like two and a half weeks. Yeah, it's nice. Yeah. That's really yeah. nice. Yeah, it's like the longest trip I've ever taken. Like ever. Airbnb, correct? Yeah. 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 So um, that's good. And um, yeah, I don't know. So and, and then there's there's definitely a, a growing possibility that we will be mainly relocating to Florida. Um, I, I think that is becoming that was a conversation yesterday. We're kind of on the same page, which is good. Like as a couple. When we moved back to California, I wasn't unhappy about it, but I wasn't that happy about it. When we moved back to Texas, she wasn't that happy about it. We both adapted, but it like, you know, like when you're leaving, like one person is like, I'm happy to go. The other person's like, I'm not that happy. But now we're kind of both on the same page. That's beautiful. Which is, which is cool because it's like, you know, I, I like Austin, but it's, it's interesting when you live in a city that when I moved here, it was a small, in my mind, a small city. And I'd come from Los Angeles, so I'd come from a place that was enormous, and I was used to all the, the big city trappings and stuff like that. So it was great. It was, like, cute and, like, oh, everything's 15 minutes away, and it's this, like, secret little treasure, you know? Like, no people know about it, but they don't really know about it. But now it's, like, Austin is, last I checked, number 11 biggest city in the country, right on the border of number 10. Probably will we'll overtake number 10. I forget what's number 10, but I think it's Denver, but, like, pretty pretty quickly. And it's growing faster than any other city, I think, except for maybe Dallas. So it's it's sort of changed in the dynamic of like it went from a place that was like a little treasure to now it's like everyone's got their axe pick and their gold, you know, their gold uh, bag or whatever. Everyone's here mining for gold now. And I don't know. I'm just kind of like maybe that's a chapter in, in our lives and maybe we're on to a new chapter. Um which I'm very excited about because I see tremendous financial potential. Um, I see the ability to really invest in a community that I live in, which I've never been able to do before um, for various reasons, just financial or, or just sort of time of life. But now it's like I'm at the right point where this is, you know, I have the right means to really be able to make a big impact in a community where my brother-in-law lives and my, my niece and nephew and, and all that kind of stuff. So I'm, I'm pretty uh, pretty excited about that possibility. 
and then I'm still going to have to be because I also have such a big construction project that's going to be at least started, if not, you know, midway through at that point, I'm going to be in Texas a, a decent amount, which I think is good because I think in many ways I'll actually see people more if I don't live here than I do right now. Because right now it's like I see you, I see you the most and I don't even see you that much. I see you every day, every week on Skype, but not even in person. But a lot of people, it's like we're friends. And then I'm like, I haven't seen this guy in like two months. It's weird how that starts working. And I don't know if that's a COVID thing. I don't know if that's just a like you get to a certain point in your life and you're so wrapped up in your own stuff. But I don't know. So no, yeah, no, I, I don't think it's a COVID thing. I, I think it's the latter where yeah. you get so wrapped up in life and, and not just you, but the other person as well. Yeah. But you're right. It's like my brother literally lives. I can literally jump my back fence and walk to his house. Yeah. And there's, you know, you'd imagine that I'd see him every day, every other day. Sometimes it's, you know, once a week or every other week, you know? Yeah. yeah. I don't think I saw my brother, you know, it's Sunday. I haven't seen him all week. Right. Yeah. And he literally lives. In but let's say my brother lived in Florida. Yeah. Well, then when I went to Florida, I'm going there with the sole intention to see my brother. So it's much more focused and quality time. And I think that that's what it comes down to with business yeah. and with relationships. Yeah. It's quality over quantity. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think so too. And, and it's, it's weird how that tends to work, but, it, but it does. It's almost when you have quantity, you almost never always have quality. Yeah. Yeah. Cause you kind of start taking it for granted. The quantity becomes almost a, you almost don't want to see them as much. <laughs> like I'm tired of you now. Yeah. yeah. It's weird how you said that looking right at me too. So, uh, <laughs> no, but, but it's, yeah, I just, I thought about it cause I'm like, you know, I was like, well, I'm going to miss seeing my boys and seeing my training partners and all that. And I'm like, but a lot of them, I don't see that much anyway. I think if this way I would actually, cause then it's like, if I'm around, like you said, I'll know I'll actually see him because I'll make it an effort. And you know, it'll be a, something where if you don't do it, you, you miss out on the chance forever long. And it, it is weird how you, you can start taking people and things for granted, which I, I never want to do, but, but it's easy for that, for that to happen. So, um, so yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I'm thinking to me, it looks like maybe springtime. That's, that's, we're going to go there in December. I'm going to go there in October. I'm going to go there Exciting. and start scouting things out. I've got a, a couple brokers to talk to already. Um, I want to get a lay of the land of the vacation rental land and then of the commercial, like industrial warehouse, just what I'm doing temple warehouse office stuff. Um, so are you still pursuing Airbnbs? Yes. If it's something, a place that she and I would like to stay for a certain amount of time. So the plan, the ultimate plan is to have some sort of Airbnb in Fort Myers that, that we could live in as well. So it's like a place where it's like, you can, it's zoned properly for Airbnbs, but it's not super touristy. So kind of, I, first I got to see if that actually exists. Um, and then ideally I'd like to have something maybe in Biloxi, Mississippi, maybe in New Orleans, somewhere that's like halfway between Texas and there, because driving for 20 hours with dogs in the, no. We're that not, sounds miserable. Ten, 10 hours is is really pushing it. So I'd like to have some there. Um, I've already got something in Lubbock. So so Lubbock is halfway between here and Santa Fe. Maybe something in Santa Fe. Depend, it just depends. I mean, we're going to see if we really like it. Then that's definitely a possibility going forward. Because I've always liked the idea of having like vacation rentals 
across the country. So it's like you could like they're eight hours apart. So if somebody could drive like you could drive across the country and stay at my spots each way along the way. That would be kind of cool because it's that like, would be very cool. You know, that would be just I, I just think about that. And then just for me, it's like selfishly, it's like that would be also make my life easier. Um, so I'm still looking at that. And then I'm still looking. And at, that's the way it yeah. should be, right? Like with yeah. business, it you should structure it in a way that it makes your life easier, right? Yeah. Like I see people get involved in businesses that doesn't really make their life easier. They make no. more money, but it actually complicates and makes their life worse in a lot yes. of ways. Yeah, it's it's weird too, because I, I think that, and this actually, I mean, we can just flow with this because I think this is a good topic. Um, when money is the only goal of something, I think you actually make, I think you actually make less money. Like I really do. I think when money is the only goal of something, because what people start doing subconsciously or not, is they start deciding like how much misery am I willing to put up for how much money? So it's like misery, money, misery, money. And most people have a, a finite amount of misery that they can handle. You know, they're just, that's a reality because it's, relying sort of on willpower it's relying on different things that are not particularly sustainable and it also sort of creates a very negative emotion towards towards money as well because it's like doing something you really don't particularly like in order to make money so it's like you know it's like you're trading up your time you're trade that's a big one is trading in time like you see that a lot with people where it's like they get paid by the hour so they look at overtime, like, oh, I'm making so much more money with overtime. Once I work more than 40 hours, I get, you know, time and a half or double time. And it's like, yeah, but you don't get that time back. I mean, I remember when I was 21 and I was working 100 hours a week and I'm like, oh, my God, I'm making so much money. But I was working 100 hours a week. I mean, like, <laughs> you don't get that time back. So, you know, I think unless it's a, a very specific situation where you're raising money for a certain thing and then you're going to use that money for something else, if it's sort of a, a distinct stepping stone that has a beginning and an end, the idea of trading time for money, the idea well, of trading- so Let me ask you specifically, how do you make less money when you're solely focused on money? How does, well, how does being solely focused on money lead to less money? Because I think that um, you're- desire to expand on that can become blunted. So what I mean by that is like, um, you know, let's say, okay, so I got a buddy who's a lawyer and he's been a lawyer for a long time, 20 plus years. And he makes good money, but the money he made now versus 10 years ago, it's like, it's a little better, but it's not that much better. 20 years before it was better, but it's not substantially better. There's sort of a ceiling on this because He's, you know, lawyers bill by the hour, so billable hours, as we all have dealt with at one point or another. So it's kind of a ceiling because it's like he, he's like gets to a certain point where it's like he does a lot of real estate stuff. And he's like, I can't take on any more work. I've got more work than I can handle. That is sort of the, the finite way of looking at it. The way that I would look at it is you know, can you hire people to do certain things? Could you expand? What if you started your own law practice? What if you, you know, like what are different ways of, of being more of an entrepreneur that can expand that money? And because like a lot of lawyers and a lot of people that are, that are sort of skilled tradespeople, I consider lawyers and doctors, so it's a skilled trade. They're not necessarily entrepreneurs. 
And so they, they get stuck in getting paid by the hour and they, they make a lot of money, but to make the next level of money and to get the next level of freedom, I think you have to become an entrepreneur because the entrepreneur in me, and I know you're thinking this too, would be, how do I phase myself out till I'm only doing the cream of the cream, the stuff I really want to do, the stuff I really enjoy doing, and how do I pawn that off on someone else in a way that still makes me money but doesn't take up my time and my hassle? And to me, the first thing I think about is, is I would start my, start my own law firm. I mean, like, well, you hit the nail on the head, and and, it's, and you're absolutely right. Like that is that is the only way I think. Yeah. And as soon as you said, I have more work than I can handle. Yeah. The entrepreneur in me gets fired up. Yes. Because I know exactly what I do with that. Yes. I don't handle the work. Yes. I subcontract it out to other lawyers who are a part of my firm and yeah. I take a percentage of everything they do. Yes. Which means now at this point, there is no more ceiling. There's only a glass ceiling. It's unlimited yes. earning potential. Yes. All I have to focus on is continuing to bring in more work. Yes. And yeah. never actually do any of it. Yeah. The only yeah. work that I'm really doing is bringing in the leads, generating the leads. Right. And that's something that you really enjoy is generating leads because it's the challenge. I don't even really do that though, right? Like I have people that write content and I yeah. pay for ads and, you know, I would imagine for a law firm, a lot of it's going to be SEO and content writing yeah. to get your name out there as I am the greatest business attorney in this area, right? Yeah. yeah. I yeah. wouldn't even be doing that. It would be my work would be calling the person that's really good at that and then hiring them to do it for me. Yeah. It's all outsourced stuff. That's what an entrepreneur does. You're just yes. kind of watching the whole machine work, but you're never actually doing any of the work. That's the thing. And that's that's why, you know, I mean, and I think that at its core, you know, being a developer, being a real estate investor is always going to be an entrepreneur because to be successful on a, a bigger plane, you have to be doing that. Like, I'm not a handy guy at all. I'm not. My my in-laws are very handy, the commercial insulators and all that, but they they know construction sort of through and through. So my brother-in-law, he can do like he just moved to Florida. They're like, oh, your well is broken. You need to, you know, spend fifteen thousand dollars getting a new well. He just dug it up, found the broken pipe, swapped it out for like thirty bucks worth of parts. Was done in two hours. Like he's that kind of guy. The problem with having wow. that, which is, I'm, I'm like wildly envious in one degree. But I'm also glad that I don't have that skill because the problem is, is then you're like, well, why would I pay someone to do this when I can do it myself? And the reason is all these things take time and effort. And is your time and effort best spent doing certain things? I mean, something like that, maybe it is because that's a lot of money to spend on something that's not necessarily worth it. But well, no, know, to take it back a little bit for people that may not understand this concept, because I think the majority of people that argue against entrepreneurship, this what you're talking about is yeah. a whole mindset yeah. shift. There yeah. is the idea of um, most people that are not entrepreneurs, they have the idea of saving money. Yes. Entrepreneurs have the idea of never saving money. We're always investing, investing money. Yes. So to take it to a simpler term um, or a simpler example, let's say somebody says, uh, Mo, you wasted $50 for someone to mow your lawn. So for them, they have that mindset of you're wasting money. You need to be yeah. saving money. Do yeah. the work yourself. Yeah. An entrepreneur would say, well, no, I, if I if I mow my own lawn, I'm actually losing money. Well, Mo, tell me how you're losing money. Well, that hour that I'm going to spend mowing the lawn, I only pay him 50 bucks. But in that hour, I can make 300. So yeah. I'm actually losing out on $250 if I mow that lawn. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And so 
that's and that's the shift because it's funny my my other brother-in-law also very handy and he'll buy houses and he'll do all the work himself and it's like this big point of pride and that's cool but to me it's like that just means that you're one house at a time you know working all day every day and doing all this stuff and that's that's fine to a point but to me the idea of that is like you pay your dues until your dues are paid and now we figure out what to do with those dues and it shouldn't be working it, it can be if you really enjoy that but that's not a business that's a hobby that you enjoy and it's very different because the problem with all that is that you are stuck sort of at the mercy of your own energy levels your own labor abilities and things like that and, and you're a slave to your business you're a slave, slave to your business and that that's the thing i always even somebody like tom mckay who i really like and i really respect in certain points, I see where he still micromanages his business too much because he's always in there checking on this, checking on that. And you should do that to a point. But like, I think to me, I would have property managers. I would check in on the managers. I would, you got to manage the managers. I mean, you can never leave it completely alone because then, then you are in trouble. But like I said, you got to get spies. You got to get little things like that. Because if I didn't have my spies, I would have to drive out to East Texas. It's four hours each way. I have to go to Lubbock. That's six hours each way. Like, and, and you know, yes, no one's going to mind your business the way you do and blah, blah, blah. But at, at a certain point, um, finding people you trust that are local, that you can sort of pay or do whatever it is, give them work, something where they're checking up on things with you. At a certain yeah, point, that has to be. You, no, 100%. But the fact that you've outsourced doesn't mean you're not minding your business. You yes. are minding your business, yes. but you're just doing it in a different way. In other words, you're, you've understand, you, you understand as the, as your business scales up, your role has had to change. Yeah. So you have transitioned from being the guy that's hands-on to now you're the guy that finds the people that are better than you are yes. at running your business. Yeah. So that is minding your business, right? Yeah. Because you were talking about this recently in uh, a podcast that we did i can't remember the term that you used for it but was it the like the murphy principle or something like oh, the peter remember. principle peter the principle. peter principle yeah. right where everybody has their limits yes right you have your yeah. limits people and rise to the level of their own habits yeah a hundred percent and so it's important as an entrepreneur to understand when you've reached your limits yep and now you're like okay so how do i get my business to the next level yeah. Find people that are better than you. That is minding your business, right? Yeah. That is minding your business on the next level. When you're yeah. like, you know what? I When you can re re let go of that ego and say, yeah. look, I thought I was really good at sales. I thought I was really good at all these things. And I am. But I bet you there's people out there that are 100 times better than me. My job now is to find those people and bring the team together. It's about yeah. bringing the team together for sure. Yeah. And, and it's, it's funny because it's just, you know, I'm thinking about the the lawyer example again and i'm like even if you didn't want to start your own firm per se it's like you could still start sort of a, a an affiliated specialty of a firm and, and figure out a ways to do this where it's like having too much work should never be the issue i mean having too much work should always be the goal in many ways because it's the idea is that you know if you want to expand having leads is sort of the the driver of being able to expand so it's but it is a, just a different mindset though. And that's the thing, like, as I go further along, and I'm sure as you go further along, entrepreneurship is not for everybody. There are people out there where it's like, they just want the work. We talked about this before, like jujitsu instructors, where there's guys who like, they just love teaching jujitsu, 
but they, they do not want to run a business or it's just not in their wiring to do that. And it's important to know that because there's some people that just, they like doing that trade, whatever it might be. Because the thing when you say trade, it sounds sort of condescending, but there's people that do trades that make way more money than I do. There, there's actors out there that are just actors that are still making, you know, 40, $50 million a year, but their trade is acting. Um, you know, they're doctors, lawyers, whatever it might be, their they're trade is their trade. Uh, you can be fighting the UFC, yeah, right? And that was the difference. Like that's one of the best examples that I can tell people. And and you're man, you hit the nail on the head because people that are in the whatever your trade is, whatever if you're an employee and you have a trade, they look at entrepreneurs and they think they're crazy. Yeah. Why would you ever want to do that? Yeah. But what they don't understand is that we look at them and we're like, they're don't crazy. they get? <laughs> I mean, how stupid yeah. can you be? Why would yeah. you ever want to do that? Now, a very good example of that is I think Mayweather, right? So yeah. everybody that fights, that is their craft, that is their trade, but they are an employee. They don't want to deal with the business side of things. So what do they do? They have a promoter, yes. they have a management team, yeah. and the promoter and the management team says, son, all you have to do is show up and train. We're going to give you money every week. Yeah. We're going to put you in a hotel. Oh, you need a car. Let me get you a car. All that type of things. You don't have to worry about money. You don't have to worry about your bank accounts. You don't have to worry about any of that. That's our job. You yeah. just worry about what you love doing fighting. Yeah. And what they don't realize is they're fighting, but they are giving the lion's share of the profits to the promoters and the managers. Yeah. Now, the person that realized this, Floyd Mayweather. Yeah. He's like, "Nah, uh, I I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to run my own business, right?" Yeah. He understood it's a business, and I'm going to run my own business. I'm not going to give away the lion's share of my profits. Yeah. Now, you would have figured that other people saw what Mayweather did and and were like, well, yeah, well, why don't I do that too? They yeah. still didn't do it because yeah. it is a whole mindset. No matter, you can show them, you can show them the matrix that they're living in, right? And they will still rather live in the matrix because it's just easier for them. Yeah, yeah. And it's funny because I think here is, again, I think the the curse of having skill. And so, so one thing that I, I talked to you about talking about was the idea of building up skill sets and things like that. And building up a skill set or something that you can get better at is different than having a certain innate skill. And what I mean by that is, you know, the best boxers are always going to have a certain amount of God-given talent. I mean, somebody can work really hard and get to a certain level, but they're never going to get to the best level. Like there, there's just, you know, as you get better at things, you realize there's, there's just people that are just a different, you know, breed of human. Like you're just like, holy crap, this person is, how are we the same species? They're just so much better than me at this thing. And so with that, the problem I think is that everything is about the person doing it, the person doing it, doing this thing. And that becomes the mindset of, I have to do this thing as best as I possibly can. The blessing of being sort of average, for lack of a better way of saying it, is you realize, well, that's never gonna be me doing the thing. Like when I look at you know a skilled carpenter, a skilled painter, somebody who's skilled in construction, I'm like, that's awesome. I'm never going to be able to do that, partly because I just don't think I have the innate skill, partly because I would start way too late, partly because I'm worried about chopping my hand off, and partly because I don't want to. And, and whatever combination of all those things is, is the most, I don't know, but, but it's not going to happen. But I look at that as a good thing, because now you're like, because if you don't put yourself in the mindset of I have to do this, now you're like, how do I make this happen? And that's a very different mindset then I have to do this, be the best, whatever, because that is the the athlete, the tradesman, whatever it might be. 
and the problem with that is sort of twofold. Like number one, like you said, a lot of times they're the ones who are making relatively the least amount of money. Number two, there's a very finite lifespan for that. The life of an athlete is not a long life in terms of competitive career. Um, number three, there's all the dangers of injury and things like that that prevent you from doing the thing. I mean, imagine being like a surgeon and let's just say you break your hand like badly and it never heals properly and you lose dexterity. You're screwed. I mean, like this thing that you spent 10, 15, 20 years working at, now all of a sudden you can't do this thing. Versus it's like, for me, to make money, I mean, I would like to have vision and be able to move around and stuff like that. But even that, I could have people I trust tell me what's happening and I could picture it in my head and and that would be good. I don't want these things to happen, knock on wood. But I'm just saying that like, <laughs> like there's not a whole lot physically that I need to be able to do in order to make money on things. And I, I sort of intentionally set up my life like that because I was always so worried about like, what if you do this thing and you're like, because you look at the people of like Instagram, like the perfectly built person or what, what if that guy gets hit by a bus and like, you know, you're not disabled, but you're not going to be this perfect thing anymore. Like whatever, like your whole brand is screwed versus what if you're the person who's sort of doing that for other people or managing people or doing so, like something where you're looking at how do I make it happen? Not I love that you, I love, I love that you say that. That's a very interesting topic because nowadays it's very much about building a personal brand, yes. but the personal brand always scares me because a personal yes. brand relies solely on you, Yes. right? For yes. you to be able to do every single day what you do. Also, it kind of, it makes you a slave to your own business, right? Like every day you got to get on Instagram, you got to get on TikTok, you got to, yeah. you know, you got to do all those things. And how long is that going to go for? And if you were the personal brand, you can't even bring someone else to replace you. Like people no. are coming to see you now, right? It's almost yes. like being a talk show host or an yeah. entertainer or anything really like is. that. Now, what is the solution? The solution is diverse, diversify, right? Yes. Th that's always going to be the solution is to, as you're, you're building your personal brand, you're making money every month, you're cash flowing, you're doing really well, but on the side, without people knowing, you've invested a lot in real estate, you're yeah. buying boring businesses, you might buy a nice guy painting franchise because it cash flows go. very, there very you well, go. you don't have to really do a lot of work. Yeah. You do things like that and you diversify. You know who's a good example of that is Shaquille O'Neal, right? Yes. Yeah. Some people say that he's made more money on these boring businesses that he's yeah. invested in yeah. than he did as an actual basketball player. Probably. So Shaquille O'Neal, that's the brand, right? Yeah. But you're right. What if Shaquille O'Neal, God forbid, was ran over by a bus and now he can no longer walk and he can't do the things that make him Shaq? Yeah. Well, it really didn't matter because he had a very good entrepreneurial sense and he diversified. He invested yeah. in different companies. He bought different companies and he found different ways to create different streams of income. And I think that is such a core, core principle of yeah. entrepreneurship is never stop. Never. Some people ask me, Mo, you know, how many streams of income should you have? And my answer now is as many as you can create. More. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> more. Yeah. <laughs> more. Yeah. I love that. Because that's the reality is you never know when something's going to, when the game's going to be over on something. And, and what I mean by that is like, it could be, you know, the, the craziest business. It could be like what, you know, um, you could be an athlete, you could be a, an influencer or whatever. You never know when the game is going to end. And so if you're relying on, you know, you see these people that are, they're, 
they're not a just they're not just influencers or social media people. They they're almost like particular to whatever vehicle of social media. They're an Instagrammer or they're a YouTuber or whatever it is. And it's like, what if like, you know, this happens with people. They get kicked off platforms. They were a YouTuber, got kicked off YouTube. It's like now, how the hell are you gonna make money? Because a lot of these people have big overheads, they have a lot of money coming out. You know, this really recently happened to someone. I don't know if you're familiar with this person. Um, he was virtually sort of kind of not really known. And then all of a sudden he was everywhere as a gentleman by the name Andrew, of Andrew, Andrew Tate. Tate. Yeah, I know Andrew Tate. Yeah. And um, I guess, and it, this is, to me, this is really crazy. It's really scary. Regardless yeah. if you like Andrew Tate uh, or you don't like Andrew Tate. Yeah. What has happened to him recently, to me, like that should be something people are fearful of. Yeah. Um, and he is literally, literally have, he has been canceled from yeah. every social media platform. Yeah. Yeah. I've never heard of that being done before. You know, even with Trump, I think, you know, they banned him on Twitter or whatever. Yeah. But this guy, they literally have banned every social media platform. Yeah. Has banned this guy and his business is taking an enormous hit. Yeah. That's the thing. And that's the problem with, with, putting all your eggs in the basket of your brand is you. And that's why I don't, it's a weird thing that's that's sort of ubiquitous now, your personal brand. And I guess I can see having that be one income stream, but if that's your main income stream, I would be terrified. I would be terrified all the time. Cause you're, like you said, you're a show pony. You're a show pony. You're there, you gotta show up every day. You gotta constantly put up content. Um, you know, you're constantly giving flack on stuff. Everything is about the numbers. Like, oh, I had, you know, 10 million people view it last week, but but 30 million people the month before. Oh my God, I'm like, like that's, to me, that seems like a terrible way to live versus it's like, dude, buy some warehouses, buy some things like that. It's like, it's not as glamorous, it's not as sexy, but it's like, you get paid. You know I mean? Like there's not- and like, there's that not that is the sexy part to me. That, that's the thing. You it's like, this is, paid. It, it is like, I, I think that it's because I wonder with a lot of those things, like which comes first, like the desire to make the money and do whatever, or is it the attention and the quote unquote influence that the influencer gets? Because I mean, I understand the appeal and I've, I've felt it even in a tiny degree of just putting up a few jujitsu videos and, Ooh, you get this, you get that. Um, but it's not real power because these things are replaceable so quickly. And it's like, if you're not constantly updating, constantly doing stuff, you get run over by somebody else who is. And to me, I looked at that as I'm like, okay, I'm just not gonna be able to put forth that effort consistently. I'd rather just stay out in the real world and buy stuff and you know buy correctly and rent correctly and do all that and, and make money doing that. And then if nobody who outside of my tenants and a few professionals know who I am, then that's fine with me. I don't really care, but I know. almost look at whatever your main profession is, right? Like for Shaq, it was playing basketball. For some yeah. people, it's being an influencer, whatever, yeah. if you're an attorney, yeah. whatever your main profession is, that income that comes in, I always look at that, or I would look at that as that's my seed money. Yeah. That's my seed money yep. from like, this can be my main profession. That's fine. Okay. You're an influencer. Fine. That's your main profession. That's how you make the bulk of your money, yeah. but take that money and invest it and diversify yeah. into real estate, buying other businesses, investing in other businesses. 
Yeah. That's what I think that, yeah. these, I, you know, I think it's a, it's a huge mistake. I, I heard one time somebody said, and it was some, uh, you know, and can't remember who the heck it was now, some investor, but he was like, some people uh, diversify and put their eggs in different baskets. I put my eggs in one basket and watch the basket closely. I've never liked that philosophy. Yeah. Like what the hell does that even mean? I watched yeah. the basket like, okay, so then things change. Are you going to, are you going to move it to a different basket then? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like that's, what's going to happen. It's the, the universe, the world society. It's so dynamic. Yeah. You know, president Biden gets a cough and stocks go up and down and companies yeah. tumble and everybody yeah. freaks out. Yeah. That's how dynamic finances right yeah. and so the only way to weather that storm is to be diversified because like you said so very well you never know when that particular game is going to be over yeah. so be so have your hand in multiple games yeah i i think that's the way to do it and i think looking at it as seed money is a great way to, to look at it because that's that's what it should be because the reality is if you are doing anything that involves you in front of a camera or you doing whatever you have to look at yourself as an athlete. And an athlete has a finite career because all these young, good-looking influencers, blah, 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 if we zoom in on my face, um, not most so much, but mine, um, <laughs> you're all going to get old. It's going to happen. And guess what happens when you turn old? Young people don't want to watch you on camera anymore because they don't care because like, I don't care what this old guy has to say. So your time as an influencer is limited and you're yeah. only 28 and people feel that way about I it guess. You know? i mean yeah. i guess 28 is the new old guy yeah, it's true you know? i mean i totally oh it's 2022 okay that's yeah, right i thought it was 2002. um so that time is limited and 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 that's you know sort of whatever that that thing is it, you have to look at it as seed money because the reason i think it's important to to do that is because then it's see it, it allows you to make choices that you want to make in the future Versus if you're somebody who's like sort of famous for being famous, which is what influencers used to be called. Back in the day, it was like, you're somebody who's on a reality show, you're this, that. Why are they famous? They're famous for being famous. The problem with that is now you have to start doing that on lower and lower tiers. It's like, oh, this guy, he was famous for being famous, so now he's on Big Brother. And then it's like, now you're not even famous enough to be on that, so now you're Oh, he's at Comic-Con doing like autographs. Like, oh, he's at he's at a reality TV show convention in, in Orlando doing autographs. You know what I mean? Like it it gets uglier and uglier and, and sadder and sadder if you're banking on your your fame, quote unquote. And, and you know, a good example, I mean there there are examples of this in in like Hollywood of people that are just, you know, they go broke, they do whatever, but then there's other people that like secretly do invest their money well and then sort of never have to make those same compromising choices. So it's like, to me, if you if you invest well and you understand that like, if I'm doing something in front of the camera, this is a finite job, this is not going to last. Um, then you do look at it as like, okay, this is seed money for something else. Now, if you own a bunch of real estate, you own a bunch of businesses and stuff like that, you still have to mind it. You still have to think about strategy and things like that, but you don't have to do that in front of a camera. You don't have to do that. Nobody has to know about that. The people involved have to know about it, and that's it. Like no one, like there's probably a ton of stuff that Shaq owns that somebody, Magic Johnson, another guy who's a really good entrepreneur as well from the NBA, where there's probably a bunch of stuff they own in real estate and stuff like that that people don't even know 
Shaq owns this. There's probably apartment buildings or businesses or, you know, office buildings or whatever that he owns that people have no idea. It's owned by some LLC, which is owned by another one, which is controlled by him or his company, you know? So that's, that's the power of that is you get the power of anonymity. And when your yeah. fame is declining, the power of anonymity becomes more and more important. So I, I think that's, yeah, I think that's my, my sort of, I love that. of that. So I love that. There we go. Boom. Mic drop. Drop the mic. <laughs> to listen to this episode or to check out our past episodes, go to the Jiu-Jitsu of Lives. Check us out on Apple iTunes. Like, review, subscribe. Shout out to Robles, makers of the world's finest custom Jiu-Jitsu apparel. Nobody can be you better than you. Be authentic, Robles. Check out Yellow Pine Investments. Check out Quantum Leap Digital Design for all your web, web design needs. As always, I'm Mo. That's Carter. And we wish you guys nothing but the best, both on and off the mat. Thanks for listening. Thank you, guys. That's it for this episode of the Jiu-Jitsu of Life. Your hosts are Carter Fisk and Mo Siddiqui. This podcast is brought to you by Rulebliss, makers of the world's finest custom jiu-jitsu apparel. You can subscribe to the Rulebliss newsletter to get the exclusive content at rulebliss.com. You can find more episodes of this show on our website at thejujitsuoflife.com. And you can subscribe to us at Apple Podcasts. Thank you for listening, and we wish you a great week, both on and off the mat.